Sounds you don't recognize. Things moving out of the corner of your eye or maybe right in front of your face. Things you can't explain. We're taking a look today at cryptozoology and the big three here in the Mountain State. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Crime in the Coalfields. I'm your host, Izzy Post. And I'm Harper Imch. And this week, we're taking a look into what exactly cryptozoology is and what it has to offer here in the mountain state of West Virginia. What cryptids exist within these mountains, these forests, and these hills? This podcast is an exclusive podcast produced entirely by 59 News and sponsored by Rosenquestenberry Funeral Chapels. How would you like to relieve the emotional and financial burden off of those you love, express your own wishes, and avoid conflicts among family members? Call Sandy Evans at Rosenquest and Barry today. So Harper, we're going a little bit off script today. Yes. All yes. of our podcasts are normally scripted. But this one, we were like, let's tackle the big three and let's just talk about it. Yeah, let's just talk. We kind of were motivated to do this, of course, because at the end of season one, we had some unscripted talking at the end to kind of lead up to this season. And we wanted to do more of that to give you guys a little bit of uh, a different take so that you're not listening to the same very, very methodical written sort of content and so we're just going to talk today and we're going to talk to you about cryptids which if you are a resident of west virginia which many of you are you have a story about a cryptid we know you like ghost stories we know you like cryptids even more so harper let's just start out with the question are are you a bigfoot believer or loch ness monster or even mothman um you know that's that's the question of the hour i guess isn't it we have a lot of people that we work with and uh, people that I know and uh, family members who are all believers around me. And I guess, I don't know, I'm going to have to play the part of skeptic here because I'm not entirely convinced that if there are these types of creatures that we haven't been able to record them better in some capacity. Because my thought process is you go and look at biology and scientific cataloging of animals and creatures, right? And they have all these systems, and I'm not going to go too deep into the weeds here, but you basically have all these classifications, and they're still finding new, slightly different classifications of animals even to this day, but they're always finding things. And scientists are naming them, and, you know, they're giving them sometimes very silly Latin names and things of that sort, but there's always some sort of trace if that makes sense. Right. And so that's why I'm skeptical. I'm not as convinced because all of the evidence we have towards cryptids is very, very circumstantial and very personal. And I and I could agree with you. I, I always take the side of more of the skepticism and there's got to be a reason behind this and question everything. But um, you're right there. Cryptozoology, it's a big word, but some people, they either go headfirst into it or they kind of like, eh, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> yeah. But what's really interesting is how broad cryptozoology is. I mean, according to uh, an article on our website, WVNSTV.com, cryptozoology includes the study of monsters. And it goes from things like our Bigfoot, like our Flatwoods monster, all the way to Frankenstein and werewolf. So it's just, it, it covers that whole world of, of what 
you can't explain. Yes, uh, it's it's the paranormal in in a sort of a different way. We're not talking ghosts here, but it's it's things that you can't explain. The yeah. Loch Ness monster, the chupacabra, the I mean, Jersey Devil, the Jersey Devil. There's just there's so many of them, and what I think is so so unique about cryptozoology is is the fact that you can't explain it, and there's so many different stories that you can go with, and. and you know, we do a lot of research, especially covering stories here in Crime of the Coalfields in Appalachia. And something that I have done in my research and living here through work and through this podcast is just how old these Appalachian mountains are. There are sections of this mountain that I have found that do not have fossils because they existed before the dinosaurs. Yes. Yeah. Oldest mountains. Some of the oldest mountains in the world. Yes. I mean, these mountains were those mountains that we call home. They were formed on Pangaea. Yes. And that's just to me, that's so incredible. So it's like, you know, I almost want to play devil's advocate here. and, And with all of this history, like what is there in our mountains that we don't even know about? I mean, think about how we're still discovering dinosaurs and things like what if there, what if there is some truth behind this? This episode, we are definitely taking a look closer into the coal fields part of the crime in the coal fields. I mean, seriously, when you think about it, yeah, the, the ground beneath our feet is ancient and you could, you could apply that logic anywhere. I mean, some places it's a lot newer, but, all of these different mountain ranges and stuff, that tectonic plates, if you know anything about how, how mountains form, like that's a slow, very long process. So scientifically, there is support to cryptozoology and the fact that cryptids could exist. I'm just an evidence guy, I guess, is what it comes down to. I guess so. And of course, here in West Virginia, in the mountain state where we call home, some of the most popular cryptids are, of course, Bigfoot, uh, the Mothman from Point Pleasant in Mason County. And so we want to talk about Bigfoot a little bit. So according to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, there is a whole field organization surrounding Bigfoot. The top state for Sasquatch sightings is Washington, and there have been 708 what they consider credible sightings there in in Washington, Washington State up on the Pacific Northwest. But what I find interesting is according to Britannica, the encyclopedia, a Bigfoot is a large, hairy, human-like creature that some believe exists in the northwestern region of the U.S. and Canada. It seems to represent the North American counterpart of the Himalayans, Abominable Snowman, or Yeti. But other states with significant Bigfoot sightings include California, Florida, Ohio, and Illinois. And what's also interesting is that, you know, I took a look at these lists, and West Virginia doesn't even crack the top 15 when it comes to Bigfoot sightings, according to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Yeah. So it's very interesting that, you know, Bigfoot has such such a large presence here, specifically in southern West Virginia. Yeah. But we don't even crack the top 15. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about that because I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I know people who talk about Bigfoot all the time. People here in the state, they're proponents of the Bigfoot. They are. And uh, of course, me being the one to dig really far into this, some of the uh, some of the areas, you know, I looked county by county in West Virginia. Again, this is according to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. And ironically, the county with the most Bigfoot sightings in the mountain state is Pendleton County with 14 sites. And their last credible sighting was recorded in November of 2012. Mm. 
But if you keep on looking, uh, let me see, like Greenbrier County's had six, most recent in September of 2014, Kanawha County two, Randolph County's had 10 credible Bigfoot sightings, according to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Association, with the most recent being in July of 2017, which is the most recent in the Mountain State considered credible by this organization. Mm. Looking more in our area, McDowell County, four, Mercer County, two, Raleigh County's had four, with the most recent in 2009, Summers County, two. So quite a lot. And another one, Pocahontas County's had eight up till September of 2016. So really recent history. Here's a thought, and uh, I've been thinking about this throughout us talking so far. Pocahontas County, that's that's up in the mountains, right there in the Appalachian mountain range. And do you think that, I mean, you know, if this creature exists, whether it's the Bigfoot or the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman or whatever other form it takes regionally, Mountains seem to be kind of a denominator. But, you know, that's why there's probably all these sightings in California and places like that, because California has some notable mountains as well. So does that say something about habitation if it does exist? Definitely very interesting. Now, I know, Harper, you and I kind of talked about you're more of an evidence guy. I'm playing the role of yeah. the believer here. So you just talk to me about Bigfoot encounters. We seem to have so many people who say they've seen Bigfoot in these mountains, be it in their homes, on hikes. Yeah. So, like I said, being the, the evidence guy, I actually have an anecdotal story for you. So story time. I was driving very recently, this was last year in 2022, and I was driving south from Charleston towards Beckley, and there was a wreck on the turnpike, and so we had to either sit in traffic on 77 for a long time, because this was a, this was a tractor-trailer spillover, there was, it was standstill, there was no moving happening, and my bright idea was to go, you know what? We can we can loop around. We can easily just go off at like, I forget what exit it was, but get off at the next exit when we do move an inch and then just circumvent it all and get down to Beckley the same way. You know, I had it pulled up on my map and we were driving and of course my phone service goes out. And so we're stuck on a wrong turn road because I didn't have the turn right in front of me and you know we go off of the beaten path unpaved road and i see something right it lumbers that is the word i would use it lumbers from the edge of my right headlight off the road i just see it kind of flit into the bushes this could have been a bigfoot it was very large it was very intimidating looking. It was 10 p.m. I was tired and I had been driving like all day and that could have been evidence, but it also could have very easily just been a bear, uh, you know, and that's what I chalked up to. I was like, wow, that was a bear. I just saw a bear and I'm glad he didn't, you know, come up to my car and, you know, looking for food or something because then I would have had another problem which was more than just turning around. Well, and that's what is really interesting because we have also on our website, WVNSTV.com, uh, a data scientist says Bigfoot sightings can be easily explained in the fact that they could more than likely just be black bears. And again, this is the skeptic side of things. And this data scientist in our article, her name is Flo Foxen. And it shows that Bigfoot sightings in the U.S. are probably bears walking upright on their hind legs. Because according to the U.S. Forest Service, black bears 
typically walk on all fours, but they'll stand and even walk on their hind legs to get a clearer view of the territory that they're on or a stronger whiff of something they're trying to find if they're right. hunting for food. And so if from that position, I mean, I, I've encountered a black bear, a mama and cubs on a hiking trail more than once. Exactly. Black bears are super common here. When they're on two legs, they do look like a hairy human if you're kind of just peeking around a corner and, oh my goodness, get out of the way. And that speaks a lot to the skeptic angle, but I'm not going to rule anything out. It is entirely likely that that could have been a Bigfoot or some sort of cryptid that I couldn't explain, and I'm just taking the logical path out. I'm just I'm just taking the easy way out and saying, yeah, it was a bear. But how do you explain other monsters and other cryptids that we see, ones that don't resemble bears? You know, how do you explain the Mothman, for example? So, and speaking of, that's a perfect transition into Mothman because I have a story time for me now. Okay. And so on the same hike, actually, that my partner and I were on, we did a sunset hike on McAfee's Knob on the Appalachian Trail in Virginia, over in Roanoke County, Virginia. It's the most photographed spot on the Appalachian Trail. It's four miles up, four miles back. We saw Mama and two cubs on the way up. We did the sunset. It was dark on our way down. We had our headlamps, we had our flashlights, and I look over to the side and we're going down. We decided to take the fire road down, the easier path down, because it was dark. And I look over to the side and there's these two glowing eyes in the woods and of course my headlamp can only see so far ahead of me and then I turn and look back and they're gone so what are those glowing eyes could it be a possum could it be a bear could it be a mountain lion yeah it could be any of those things but could it be Mothman and and that's the question And, and Mothman has a very storied history all the way back to the silver bridge collapse you know 55 years later and, and how that happens up in Point Pleasant 46 people died there the 2200 foot bridge connected West Virginia and Ohio and it, it kind of led into the Mothman it has really strong ties to the Mothman here in the Mountain State and the legends pretty much everybody knows them the flying Mothman creature which highly resembles a mixture of a moth-like creature and a man came and was seen in many many sightings throughout Point Pleasant by residents of the area throughout the late 1960s. And when the bridge collapsed, the creature was blamed for those deaths because of his prevalence at the time, the the sightings of the creature. So that kind of became, as soon as those two events got tangled, they have never become untangled, so to speak. It's entirely likely that that maybe did actually happen and maybe the Mothman was the cause of it. Whether it's a story or whether it's the truth, that's not necessarily for us to know. Right. And in my research here, you know, like you said, it's a cross between a moth and a man. And it's really and it goes all the way to pre-war and pre-World War II, pre-World War I, these stories. And it's just it's very, very interesting. You know, they say the Mothman will leave you alone. But if it attack, if you attack it, it'll attack you. And so it just really has just different characteristics and of course the glowing eyes and the different types of glowing eyes that's one of the biggest commonalities between all of the accounts of the mothman is that it's always these glowing eyes right at the height of a man and that there's this large wingspan and that it's this shadowy silhouette and you always see those details kind of pinned together when you're talking about the mothman right we were talking about about the the bridge collapse and and how the Mothman has really been 
integrated into the Point Pleasant culture. And maybe that's something, you know, we take a deep dive in at a later date. Yeah, the Mothman is definitely one worth a deeper dive for sure. It's become such a, a piece of West Virginia's identity that there's the statue. And I'm sure that some of you have probably been there. Point Pleasant Mothman statue is a landmark. There's the Mothman Festival. And actually to springboard backwards a little bit, Bigfoot, there's a festival as well here here in West Virginia. So all of these cryptids, they, they have their believers and many of them are here. And speaking of believers and creatures with glowing eyes, the Flatwoods Monster. Now, I'll be the first to admit, when I when I moved here to the Mountain States, I you know, I heard about Mothman, I heard about Bigfoot. I had not heard about the Flatwoods Monster until we decided we were going to tackle the Big Three. Yes, maybe not as much of a household name as the Mothman, where there's even, you know, instances of it being outside of the state mentioned. But within West Virginia, you've heard of the Flatwoods Monster, surely. And of course, the Flatwoods Monster comes from the story of the small town of Flatwoods, West Virginia, about 1950s. And basically, it's the story of a strange, unexplained monster. Uh, It has a lot to do with UFOs. So in my research here, pre-war West Virginia town of Flatwoods, a dark, mysterious figure with glowing eyes and a man named Colton Pickens claims he was taken onto a spaceship and subjected to experimentation, but it was dismissed by police. Yep. And then there were accounts of wastelanders and hikers being taken only to be able to recall a blinding light afterwards. Now, these people describe the Flatwoods monster as a head encased in a purple helmet, which covers most of the face. The rest of the body is sealed in a protective suit. Flatwood monsters, no visible legs, bullet-shaped point at its bottom, three fingers on each hand, green blood. It's just, this is your- This sounds like an alien. Roswell. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is Roswell. And, And that's the thing about the Flatwoods monster that's always been interesting to me is they're describing this and I'm like, well, this just sounds like kind of a different sort of take on your classic Martian, you know, a very different take, but still similar. You know, interestingly enough, the Flatwoods monster prompted a an Air Force inquiry, a UFO inquiry. Correct. Uh, which is part of a UFO initiative at the time, which in the 1950s, that was kind of a a big thing. That was the prime explosion of, of UFO sightings and, and UFO enthusiasts. And, and it's really, I think the term was made shortly before that, or at least might have been 1950 or something like that. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but this is in Braxton County, West Virginia. This is in Flatwoods, a small town. So it just, this is the one that's the least believable to me. So to play the, the, the skeptic, we've kind of gone through this episode from most believable to least believable to me, because the Bigfoot, that could that could theoretically be a creature that we haven't identified, and even the Mothman to an extent, too. But the Flatwoods Monster, even in the name, to me, it sounds stranger. Well, so I just looked up on Braxton, West Virginia's town site. They have a whole page on the Flatwoods Monster. They said September 12, 1952, Edward May, Freddie May, and Neil Nunley and Tommy hire all young residents. They were at Flatwoods Elementary School, bright light, and then they were gone. And then they reached the site of a crash, and they saw a pulsing red light... And they saw a 10-foot-tall creature with a head shaped like a spade and what appeared to be a dark metal dress. The creature's hands were twisted and clawed, eyes glowed an eerie orange color, and it levitated. Strange mist hung in the air. 
Some of the group members suffered from throat irritation, vomiting, and nausea afterwards for days. They were passed off as hysteria, and nothing of those were also telltale signs of exposure to mustard gas. Right, which was big at the time. See, yeah, and all, all these stories, they sound like abduction stories. Right. And, but what's interesting is, is that conflicts with the other story. Yes. Of a purple-helmeted creature. Yeah. So, you know, you have to kind of look at it as a skeptic. Mm. You always have to look at things from both ways. You, you have to try your best. Because, yeah, the conflicting evidence, the conflicting testimonies, they make you wonder. But at the same time... You know, what if shock plays a part in it? What if people don't know what they saw? What if, because, you know, your memory is fallible. It can be. And what if also, if these are more of an alien creature and these are abductions, who's to say that the aliens don't all look the same? Human beings don't all look the same. And and I'm going to go again with the skeptic. 1952, we're at the height of the Cold War. You know, we're kind of leading into Vietnam and Korea. We're fighter pilots testing things. Where where is this night vision, early night vision goggles? And you got to look at it from that perspective too. Yeah. So uh, so Harper, let me uh, circle back to my question. Yeah. Are you a Bigfoot, Mothman, <laughs> Flatwoods monster believer? I I once again can't confirm nor deny that. I like to play the part of the skeptic, but some of the cryptid stories are more believable than others to me. And you know what? I, I bet that the listeners will probably feel that way too. And if you do, then message us, let us know. We want to have you on. Tell yes. us your stories. Yes, we yeah, we would love to have you on and, and listen to your stories because everybody has their own stories. And I'm sure, like I was saying, that each and every one of you probably have some cryptids that you believe in you have a personal story for and you know they exist right but then the others you know those are just stories and if you look at it from the most logical perspective there's probably going to be both if cryptids do exist there's going to be real stories but there will be fake stories too right so you have to take everything with a grain of salt always that's going to wrap things up for us here on Crime in the Coalfields. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Again, if you have any cold cases, ghost stories, cryptid stories, anything you'd like for us to explore or maybe something you want to share with us, drop us a line, send us a message or send us an email. And be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Recommend us to a friend who is a fan of crime or the supernatural, especially in the case of this episode. If you want us to do a deeper dive onto any of these cryptids that we've briefly featured in this episode from the state of West Virginia, then let us know as well, because we'd love to take a deeper dive into it and maybe look at some more very in-depth stories and even get some listeners on board talking about these cryptids in the state. And this episode is an exclusive podcast produced by 59 News, sponsored by Rosenquest and Berry Funeral Chapels, and it's written or ad-libbed, produced and hosted by Izzy Post and Harper Emsch.